the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Let's take a quick look at the stories of the day. I think that's always kind of a good area to go with. What's driving the markets? The energy sector is struggling amid continued weakness in crude oil. That's a problem. I know I'm not sounding the alarm bell. Alarm! Alarm! Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, Will Robinson. Okay, I'm, I'm sounding the alarm. I'm scared. I'm afraid I'm lonely. I've got nothing. I count on you to help me through this. You disappear. Crude's kind of getting weaker again. And that's bad news for the world. Not the USA, because we got the USA going on. We're firing on all cylinders. USA, USA, USA. The problem is, there's a lot of other people that aren't living inside the United States. And we need them to help pitch in, to help come up with new ideas, to come up with new businesses, to come up with new ways of consuming things. Consume some of our things, we'll consume some of your things. U.S. Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen. She said, we must weigh the effects of post-crisis financial regulations and new channels through which policy affects markets as it prepares to raise interest rates. She's kicking off a research conference on policy transmission and implementation after 2007-2009 financial crisis. And she said the U.S. Central Bank also must weigh the advantages of its policy, as well as the disadvantages. Yellen, who has said the Fed is on track to raise rates this year, did not comment on the rate hike timing for the U.S. economy. So, she's a good Fed chairman, if not a little bit wishy-washy. The 10-year Treasury sits at 2.32%. Stocks opened lower on the weaker energy prices. 
Um, energy prices, if there's not a lot of demand, tells us if we want to make a new iPhone, we're going to have to go to a factory and fire up the factory. What do you fire up the factory with oil? If we want to go on a vacation to around the world, what do we do? We get on a plane and you got to fire up the plane with fuel. So the energy sector is telling us that there's not a lot of demand out there. People aren't really cruising, per se. I think that's worthy of note. Some other top stories of note today. Um, U.S. job openings totaled 5.5 million in September. Again, lending some strength that could encourage the Federal Reserve to raise interest rates next month. Apple's getting into the very crowded field of mobile-to-mobile payments, but why not? They've already got iTunes, which has many, many, many credit cards in it. And they've got the platform and the hardware and the technology with Apple Pay. Why not go after PayPal and Square right when Square's coming public? Oh, that hurts. Macy's has sounded a holiday alarm. And peer-to-peer, person-to-person, to me, I think you're almost like a dinosaur if you're pulling out an Amex at this point in time. You're almost like a dinosaur if you have a credit card in your wallet and you're not using Apple Pay. You're not yet a dinosaur, but you're moving that direction. Anytime I'm at a convenience store, anytime I'm at a department store and I see someone pull out a credit card that's a debit card, I'm like, look at the Velociraptor over there. And they look at me and go, a debit card, really? I know you're saying that was a great impression of a Velociraptor. Thank you. I've just added that to my new repertoire. Um, I believe if I were to guess that sound, that is a sheep being born. If anyone knows that sound, call the show, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. So the whole peer-to-peer thing, um, cash is dirty. I saw something like in the 1980s, um, U.S. dollar bills, almost 70% of them had traces of cocaine on them. If I were a terrorist, I'd figure out a way of putting something horrible on a dollar bill because clearly people are still using them. But you're such a velociraptor if you're using cash. Um, Macy sounds a holiday alarm. I think this is probably the biggest story from yesterday that carried over to today. Discounters like TJ Maxx, and there's nothing wrong with going to TJ Maxx. Um, They've seen their sales increase, 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 increase. Companies like Macy's in the last five years have seen their sales decrease, 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 decrease. So the discounters are winning. Who has done better as a stock? TJ Maxx than Macy's. So there are some winners in retail, but you have to be a discounter and you have to get it right. So Macy's was the retailer on Miracle on 34th Street, which I'm pretty sure outed Santa Claus is not real. Sometimes I mix these movies up, but I think that was the one where the little girl cried and Santa Claus took off his beard and said, See, little Daphne, I'm not real. Uh, so Macy's was in Miracle on 34th Street. It tells you that that's an old, old concept. And flash forward 60 plus years and you'll see that old isn't necessarily the way business is getting done today. Amazon has something to say about that. So 
if you want the person to buy it on an uh, impulse, it's going to be Amazon now. When I go into a Macy's, I hate it. I like to get dress shirts there. I like to get suits there on sale. Um, I actually like to try on the suit before I buy the suit. But when I go in, I hate it because you look around and you're like, you almost want to go, Marco, salesperson. Marco, salesperson. You can't find him. Uh, and to me, that feels like a graveyard. Let's go into the graveyard that is Macy's. Follow me and stay close because it's cold. And if you wander off the path, the perfume girl will get you. <laughs> so I'm not a big fan of Macy's. Yes, they may be the last man standing. And yes, they may still have a business model compared to Sears and uh, Walmart, not, not Walmart, Sears and Kmart. But I'm not feeling good about where the, they are. Um, I think Americans used to go to the mall like once every two weeks, then it became once a month. Now it feels like once every six months, right? Kentucky Fried Chicken, one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They're riding into the apocalypse today, telling us they're going to deliver buckets of fried chicken on demand. Is this what America wants? For five bucks to seven bucks, they'll bring you a bucket of chicken, an eight-piece, twenty-dollar family fill-up. Can you imagine? Not only can they buy the chicken cheaper than you, but they can fry it, cook it, package it, and bring it to you. Cheaper than you can get it yourself. What is that? I'll tell you this. I would want, before I ever eat KFC again, I want to see what exactly goes, where that bird comes from. 800-516-1220. CBS's Stephen Colbert is going to get the late show. He's going to get the post-Super Bowl TV spot, as is James Corden. I watch James Corden, I don't get it. Can anyone tell me what's that, what, is that funny? Is that good? Is that smart? I don't get it. Send me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Well, we're in Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. I don't have to always be right. I want to get you to retirement. That's my number one goal. That's my message. And one of the things I'll do is I'll talk about my life. I'll talk about my friends, my family, people that I've known. Because if I were to just talk about me, it's going to be a pretty dull show. I want to talk about people around me, and maybe you identify with some of them. Sometimes I'll talk about companies that I I like, like Apple. Um, Apple's reportedly working on a service to allow consumers to pay each other directly from their phones. Uh, This is a market that's already established with PayPal and Square. Apple's talking with U.S. banks to develop a mobile person-to-person payment service that could launch as soon as next year. Uh, Wells Fargo, Capital One, Morgan Chase, all in talks about the conversation. 
PayPal slips a little bit on this. Apple's trying to make their ecosystem stronger. Apple realizes that the hardware business is pretty mature, but they won't tell you that. But the ecosystems needs the things to lock you in for future, and this could be one of them. You know, you go to a movie with a friend. Oh, I forgot my wallet. Eh, don't worry, <laughs> you got your phone. Your phone's your wallet. That's the whole idea. So I like that story for Apple. They can continue just to sometimes rip off other people's ideas and sometimes come up with their own with their huge R&D budget. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, talk a little real estate, Bay Area real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's done a refi for me, a refi or two, and an original mortgage or two for me. So he's my go-to guy when it comes to lending. Let's talk a little portfolio lending, Mr. Mendez. What's the word portfolio lending mean? Like, what, what's the concept here? A portfolio lender is basically a lender that's going to lend you a mortgage. Okay. Lend you money, and they're going to keep it on their books. They're probably not going to sell it to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Okay. But what it also allows them to do is kind of go out of the box and give you different kind of guidelines um, that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac won't allow. The downside is, is that they're limited on the products that that they offer you, they're going to be a little bit more risky, like usually an arm, and they sometimes can have prepayment penalties on it. But it, 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 I think portfolio lenders have a great place in the market. They're picking up the slack that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac are um, that, that they can't handle, um, and it's a necessity. And I think it is leading towards the privatization of mortgages. And I think that it's kind of you know they're feeling it out. And I think there are, are ways for lenders to make money this way and help the society in the same. Uh, fashion, uh, but there's so many different kinds of portfolio products and and guidelines that are different than Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. They do higher uh, calculations on asset depletions, condos that aren't warrantable, foreign nationals, pledged assets. Pledged assets are really interesting. You can actually have assets in your bank, move them to the bank that you're going to get the money from, and they count that towards your down payment, but you don't actually have to spend the money. Okay. That's called pledge assets. So you can put 20% down, but only put really 10% down and put the 10% in their bank. Um, you do self-employed for less than two years, high debt ratios, uh, recently listed properties. I mean, there's a long, long list uh, of reasons why portfolio lenders work in the industry right now. Now, portfolio lending, uh, one of the things that you brought up is that they kind of pick up the slack that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac can't cover. In the Bay Area, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac typically can't cover necessarily um, the Jumbo Homes. I mean, there's some really expensive homes here that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac just say, you know what, that's not our cup of tea. Good right, luck. a Jumbo Loan's essentially a uh, portfolio loan. Okay. It, it's an investor that's that have set their guidelines, typically close to what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac um, is doing. And we're not too far off of what Fannie and Freddie are doing okay. when we're in portfolio or Jumbo. Um, we're just looking at different ways to loan people the money at these different for these different scenarios, and that's where they really pick up the slack. Now, what else do we need to know about portfolio lending, and do we even need to know, or are you just magically going to get it's me different a loan? than private money? Okay, um, private money is where you basically don't even show credit, you don't show income, you don't show well, you do show assets, but you show more of a story, um, and it's more equity based than it is um, than it is credit based. But portfolio lending is still going to follow the same kind of guidelines where you need a good credit score. You need to have income. You still have to qualify under the ratios uh, that they offer. But you, you, when going into a type of loan like this, you have to understand that you're, you're, they're, they're putting you in a cycle. 
They're okay. they're putting you in a cycle, just like a bad credit kind of cycle, where you're buying a car and you go back and you buy another car and, you, and you're always at the higher interest rate. You're just at a different kind of program. And some of the products that they offer are actually lower rates than you can get through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, but, again, they're riskier. So it's not for everybody. It's interesting because I had a conversation recently at one of my events where someone's like, I want to buy a rental property for retirement. I'm like, okay, what I need to explain to you is that that's riskier than buying a real estate investment trust. I would rather you look at REIT that's publicly traded, like an Avalon Bay, and then you're buying rental properties in San Francisco. Right. And Free and clear. 100 shares is 100 shares. A lot of investors, now that person may buy one and eventually end up with 10. Um, there's some rules that say you, you can't buy more than 10 properties on your credit, but some portfolio lenders allow that. So it is a tool that investors use as well. It's interesting to note because uh, I had to convince the guy that having a retirement property is a risk in mm-hmm. retirement if you lose the, uh, the tenant if rates go up in the next 10 years, which I'm guessing mortgage rates go up in the next 10 years, then the, value, right, then the valuation of what someone's going to be able to afford is probably less because we're more how much can we afford centric than we are interest rate centric. Um, and the guy just looked at me with like glass in his eyes. It was kind of sad that he just wanted me to agree. That's because him. most of what he's hearing is that real estate's the end to your real estate problem or your real retirement problems. It's yeah. the best way and fastest way to get to retirement and make money. You can find Tony Mendez, thank you, at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Like I said, he's done numerous loans for me. He gets the job done. It's pretty thorough. It's a process. So know that going in that you want to borrow money these days or refinance money, it's going to cost you some time and effort. So you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Comcast and Time Warner are invested in virtual reality. The media companies. Venture Arms joins $30 million of funding for a company called NextVR. The company's Venture Arms. Um, they're tr- going to try to broadcast events live in virtual reality. So the companies like ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, one of the things they have are the, like National Football League Super Bowls. Um, and one thing about virtual reality and Facebook, Facebook wants to get into put on your virtual headset and it'll look like you're in the room with a person that you're actually chatting with or messaging with. Messaging is so flat, right? You don't actually get to see the person's emotions. So you're seeing everyone, even Disney, has invested $65 million in a company called Jaunt, which creates and distributes virtual reality content. Uh, is it reality or realty? Reality? Realty. Take a break. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com.
Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now as he does on a regular basis on this time slot, Chris Iacci, a tech editor for TheStreet.com. How are you, Chris? Good, Rob. How are you doing today? Doing well. A little under the weather of the voice, so I love that you like talking tech. I'm going to let you talk some tech. Um, let's talk about iPad Pro. That seems to be big into reviews and big into the tech news and a lot of analysts weighing in on what it's going to mean t- towards desktop n- notebooks and iPads going forward. Yeah, the iPad came out, you know, uh, yesterday, you know, to, to, you know, was released to, to enterprises and consumers. And so far, you know, what I've seen, you know, from product reviewers and playing it with myself a little bit um, is that people like it. They're not entirely sure whether it's going to replace a PC. I think ultimately, you know, when when you look at it, you know, 12 you know, between 12 and 24 months down the line, I think Apple's going to have a serious, serious spot in the enterprise because this is really where it's where it's geared towards. It's not geared towards, you know, consumers like you and I. Um, it's geared towards the business and, you know, having an iPad that has desktop co- uh, computing power and some serious apps, you know, that are built for it, you know, it's probably going to be a lot easier and a lot cheaper to buy uh, for businesses than going out and replacing that, that PC that needs to be replaced. So a lot of people, you know, don't look at Apple as diversely as you do. Um, I remember when I was in elementary school, the Apple had a program where if you gave soup labels, they'd give your school PCs or give your school apples. And then you and I are consumers as adults, and we love the product. And then there's the enterprise. How important is the enterprise for Apple to crack? Well, they already actually have an enterprise business. You know, they've sold, you know, about $25 billion worth of, products to the enterprise in the past year, according to Tim Cook. So, you know, Apple's continuing to work to, to build this huge enterprise business. They've um, partnered with companies like Cisco, like IBM in the past 12 months, and I would not be shocked to see another partnership um, with a similar company to really entrench itself into the enterprise. People have always thought of Apple as this consumer-centric company with, you know, the iPhone, with the Mac, and that's, you know, still largely relevant to this day, but there's this basically whole untapped market for Apple to get into, and that's going to pit them against companies like, you know, Microsoft with Windows and even Google to some extent with its Chromebooks. Um, So this is really a huge opportunity for Apple considering that, okay, you know, PCs, you know, are on a decline, but they're not dead yet. Um, So if the iPad Pro and the Macs, can replace, you know, Windows-based computers in the enterprise. That's a huge opportunity for Apple. Yesterday, or sometime recently, the last 48 hours, Tim Cook was being talked to, and he hinted about some new product. Um, I think it was tied towards the watch and the healthcare development kit, and he kind of shifted it, the conversation to a different direction. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, in terms of, you know, Apple going outside and potentially doing more with health, yeah, Cook kind of talked about that. He kind of hinted at it in an interview um, with a British newspaper earlier this week. And there's speculation that, you know, it could be a app. It could be another product that's adjacent to the Apple Watch. Um, and I talked to some people who were familiar with the FDA, you know, uh, process. And for Apple to actually come out with a, 
with a product that needs to be regulated by the FDA, it would have to be something that either they say is either going to help a disease or help, you know, have some sort of fitness claim, and that's why they would put it through the FDA regulation is so that they can make that claim. Otherwise, you know, they kind of would stay away from that because, you know, it would mix up and murky up, you know, getting the product to market and getting into consumers' hands. So, yeah, Apple does seem to have, you know, more health ambitions than we know about, and that, that's a good thing because, you know, if you're an investor, healthcare companies tend to have, you know, a little bit higher of a multiple um, than, you know, consumer tech companies, and anything that, you know, Apple can do to expand its uh, foray into healthcare would be seen as a good sign for investors. Do we have any glint or, I mean, I remember last year and the year before they were hiring, you know, people who do biometric sensors and we all thought it was going to be built into the, the uh, watch and then ultimately they didn't want to go that direction because, like you said, they had to get FDA approval. Do we have any clue what this medical box might do? And there's a potential that, you know, it could help with a disease, be it diabetes or asthma or, you know, something that's, you know, fairly common that people have to deal with, you know, that, that's, you know, been in the sources that I've talked to, you know, early on so far, that seems to be the prevailing thought. And it may not even be, you know, a device. It could be an app, you know, on, you know, the watch or an iPhone or, or something that, you know, helps with that too. I mean, we've seen Apple move into that space and apps with its health app that was part of iOS 8. But maybe this is something that goes even further in depth than that. Um, so it's, right now, given the fact that, you know, Apple's R&D spending is, you know, surpassed $8 billion last year and will surpass that, you know, in spades in 20, fiscal 2016, you know, it's really anybody's guess what Apple is working on, at least at this early stage. This isn't a really terribly well-formed one, but it was announced last night slash this morning that, Apple's working on a peer-to-peer system for payments, which would be very similar to PayPal or Square. Um, what do you think Apple's focus is on right now? Or maybe give me a percentage. Is it more on the hardware, or is it more on the the ecosystem, getting people locked into the hardware? Is it more on the hardware? Is it more on the software services? Um, I like the increments there that they're doing, but it's like a thousand little cuts to kill people because they need like thousands of these little things to make it material to their bottom line. Yeah, I mean, from an investor perspective, things like, you know, a potential payments, um, you know, peer-to-peer payments thing isn't going to be, you know, a big driver for revenue. But, yeah, it's going to help continue to be, have people locked into the Apple ecosystem. Um, you know, we've seen things like that with Apple Pay, um, Apple Music, you know, the health app that I mentioned. These aren't huge revenue drivers, but there are more reasons for people to go out and buy, you know, a new iPhone or a new iPad. Um, every couple of years, and that's where Apple generate, is going to continue to generate the, the majority of its money unless it comes out with this humongous home-run product, um, you know, for software, but that really hasn't been the focus. It's more been about fine-tuning the software and having you locked into the ecosystem and not go to an Android uh, or a Windows device because, you know, Apple does have the highest gross margins in the industry, and that's where they've continued to make their, their money. Um, so, you know, as far as this, you know, potential Apple peer payment system, you know, is concerned, you're right. They do have to compete with a lot of other people. You know, PayPal, Venmo, Snapchat, Square, Google has one, Facebook Messenger has something. So there's a lot of competition in the space already, but Apple does have something that a lot of companies don't have, and that's 800 million people using their products. Um, 
So anything that they can do to have, you know, little increments is is a help, um, but it's not a, a huge boon for the company. Anything else that you're working on, Chris? We're, I'm speaking with Chris Siaccio, the tech editor for TheStreet.com. Anything else that you're working on that you may think is important for our listeners? Yeah, I think, you know, as we go into the holiday season, I think it's important, um, you know, if you're going to be looking for consumer, you know, tech gifts, you know, be it an iPad um, or a phone or something, you know, you know, we're working on a couple of different pieces here at TheStreet.com, um, you know, for, you know, giving rankings and, and important uh, – um, you know, product reviews and, uh, you know, thoughts and opinions on things like, you know, whether you should go out and buy the new iPad Pro or whether you should probably, you know, save a couple of bucks and maybe buy an iPad Mini or, you know, the iPad Air 2, things like that. So that will be forthcoming, you know, over the next couple of weeks and, you know, right up until the holidays, until Christmas happens. Maybe you could put together a gift guide for our listeners in the coming weeks for uh, uh, cool gadgets that you think uh, would be good stocking stuffers or under the tree. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have a lot of that stuff, you know, over the next few weeks. Check out thestreet.com. Check out Chris Siaccio. You can find him at thestreet.com. He is the tech editor. You can find him online at thestreet.com. Chris Siaccio, tech editor, uh, always joins us, always has good insights on what's going on out there in the world of technology. Um, obviously, technology is in our backyard here in Silicon Valley. Uh, with that out there, it's, it changes fast, and uh, technology is all about smaller, cheaper, faster. So be cautious. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The stock market right now is going through the motions. It's going through the the, the grind, the like uh, the stomach churns of what's it going to look like when interest rates move higher. Ultimately, a low cost of money means that you know the Federal Reserve has a low cost of money on interest rates. Um, your mom and dad, your grandparents can't go to the bank and say, here's my money. I'm going to put in a CD that's safe and it's going to get a good interest rate of 3%. No, not 3%. 2%? No, no. 1%? No, no, no. Quarter of 1%? Yes, you can get a quarter of 1%. So some of the safe money has to be parked in companies like AT&T. Because you can get a decent dividend there, but you get the stock equity danger that comes with that. Stock equity danger for like an AT&T could be something like a T-Mobile, you know, introducing cheaper plans. And dun, 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 they're battling it out for subscribers. And then those subscribers pay their monthly bills with cash, and that cash goes towards servicing the dividend. And suddenly that dividend doesn't look as safe. So there's a lot going on. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. What you waiting for? What you waiting for? When I dance alone and the sun's beating down, blame it on me. When I lose control and the day was overused, blame it on me.
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. On the iHeartRadio app. Rob Black, talking all things financial. Got a pretty weak voice. A uh, little virus kind of came and left, but kind of ravaged my throat a little bit. Um, so work with me there. So there's a great two stories here that tell you everything that's right and everything that's wrong with America. Um, let me throw them out at you. KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. They're going to deliver buckets of fried chicken on demand. They're testing it out in two cities. The Colonel, it's being good looking good. He wants to come to your home. Ooh, that's kind of creepy. KFC will start delivering buckets of fried chicken to customers in two U.S. cities. The first time the chicken chain is delivered to the United States. Starting today, people in Los Angeles and San Francisco will be able to have food delivered. KFC expects to expand the labor service into Houston by the end of the year. More cities may come later. Delivery fee between $5 and $7.00. Depending on a customer's location and prices of some items will be higher than those in the restaurants. It's value meals, however, such as its eight-piece 20-family fill-up will stay at the same price. Okay. Okay, America. You want Kentucky Fried Chicken delivered to your home? You got it. Open your mouth. We'll bring the food to your house. We'll chew it for you, and we'll spit it in your mouth for you. That's the next step. And you can just stay on the couch until your body kind of melds into it. Elsewhere, In-N-Out Burger is suing a startup company, uh, DoorDash, which is obviously the one that's working with Kentucky Fried Chicken. In-N-Out Burger is saying, you know, we don't really want DoorDash delivering our burgers, and we don't really want our logos on their website, and we don't really want them representing us. And this is going to be an interesting one because I get it, right? If you're In-N-Out Burger and you're known for fresh meat, we have no freezers. I mean, everyone in North California knows about In-N-Out Burger. We know about the religious statements on the cups. We know about the two trees that kind of overlap each other. We know about it. Um, and they want to control what their product looks like, how hot and fresh it is and or not. Um, so I get the lawsuit. And they're actually fighting back, and I think that's probably a good thing. DoorDash currently delivers meals in more than 250 cities and is partnered with the national chains like 7-Eleven and Taco Bell. So what's going to happen? Disney CEO Bob Iger, he's aiming to bring an NFL team back to professional football star of L.A. Okay, Disney CEO Bob Iger, football star of L.A. We know the Raiders Chargers, maybe St. Louis Rams, Two of these three teams, maybe one of them, but probably two of these three teams are going to end up in L.A., uh, probably in Carson, um, but I don't know all the details on that. Uh, but the L.A. Wookies, how would you love it if Disney got back into sports like they were with the uh, Anaheim Mighty Ducks? <laughs> Chewie likes it. Since Iger took over Disney 10 years ago, the company's stock has soared more than 380%. His employment contract ends in June 2018, and he's not expected to seek an extension. Iger earns about a buck a year, a dollar a year. But uh, stock compensation, obviously, critically higher. Um, Smart guy. He's been a great CEO, and he's taken some chances. You know, Disney's taken chances in the past, and most of them turned out pretty magical, whether it be investing in Pixar, 
buying Pixar, uh, buying the NFL, buying the Muppets. I don't know if that's worked out as well as, you know, buying um, the Star Wars franchise. We'll see how they ultimately go, but everything Disney seems to touch turns to gold. Elsewhere, Macy's is sounding kind of an alarm, a holiday alarm. And you can put that holiday alarm right next to your higher interest rates and go, I'm not feeling great. Have you ever, like, just gotten white, ashen? You're like, I don't know, maybe on a date and you look at your date's phone and it's a message from her ex-boyfriend. Like, see you later tonight. And you're like, (gasps) Same thing with Macy's. The retailer of Miracle on 34th Street warned that its stores were awash with merchandise after a sluggish fall season and a slow business is going to force it to go all out on discounts during the holiday season. So too much inventory is a killer in retail apparel. So if you had the fall winter coats lined up, you better hope for a late November, December snow. Because if you start seeing the early January, February, spring, ooh. Um, So you get the idea. Um, This is bad for everyone. Macy's is a big player, and aggressive discounting from one of the biggest merchants is bad news for all retailers. It's shaping up to be a highly discount-driven holiday season. It also raises the question about the strength of the economic recovery and consumer sentiment. We know gas has fallen aggressively. I know my gas bills have fallen Am I saving that money or am I spending it or am I vacationing with it? A shift in way Americans shop because of the proliferation of e-commerce and the power to compare prices at a click of a mouse, is, it's a killer. Um, I like little uh, protein drinks in the morning, whether they're the Atkins Shake or whether they're uh, Muscle Milk, something along those lines. And I'll go to the Costco app, I'll go to the Amazon app. You know, I'm sitting there having lunch. Um, you know, my my thumb is working the phone, and I find out who's got the cheapest per ounce, and I'll order you know three months worth, because that stuff never goes bad, because it's not real, right? So that's what's killing companies like uh, Macy's at this point in time. Apple is moving into the consumer mobile to mobile payments world, and it's a crowded market with PayPal and Square um, trying to create their own peer-to-peer person. Payment system is smart because Apple wants the phone to be a wallet. Why do we have a wallet and a phone? We only need one. Wallet doesn't make phone calls. I'll keep my phone. Thank you. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.